Welcome to Season 3, Episode 3 of the Green Data Center Podcast. And whether you're new to data centers and new to this podcast, we appreciate you listening, or whether you've been listening for a while, very much appreciated. And of course, you can go and visit the website, greendatacenterman.com. Enter any questions that you might have for topics that should be covered here, as we'll definitely look to cover those and other interests around the industry to make sure that you're kept abreast of the latest news and conditions, whether it's buyouts and mergers, or whether it's just the latest standards like we're going to be talking about today. And that new standard that we might be talking about today is called DEEP. Just because there are not a lot of universally recognized standards that aim at data centers and sustainability reporting. So we'll talk about that as well as some of the other industry news. There are not a lot of universally recognized standards or governance for the data center industry. And it has just grown over the last decade and even more, where more and more buildings are coming online and more and more data is being used. And because of that, the data centers and their energy use keeps increasing. However, the metrics and those that are looking to establish how much that environmental footprint is, it's just not been universal, but there is an aim for that now. And there's been a couple in the past that we'll also talk about here. And there've been a number of attempts by different groups and different organizations, and they will, you know, look at that from their own perspective, whether it's company-wide or, um, you know, across the industry, that's maybe their loftier goal. But one of the main ones that actually got up and online was the Energy Star label. If you don't know the Energy Star program, it's based in the United States by the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. And the the Energy Star program has all sorts of products. So you can get labels um, from dishwashers to servers with the Energy Star label on it. And then it was also expanded to include buildings and all sorts of products, anything that you could plug in, as well as commercial buildings. So it's a wonderful program that they basically started to just grow and grow over time. And Energy Star for data centers came around in 2018. However, um, if you look back, the Energy Star program actually started back in 1992. Now, even though that's 26 years to go ahead and try to develop a, a uh, Energy Star program for data centers, it actually started kind of small and had to gain a lot of traction. So because of that, it's not surprising that it sort of lagged behind, and especially in an industry like data centers, where the data centers themselves are very broad as far as their aspects. However, like LEED, LEED for data centers, uh, another standard, or if you want to look at it, just a, a goal, a lofty goal that can be obtained, um, the EPA... Energy Star for data centers did come along and it established a lot of those scores so that you can go ahead and get your data center, the entire facility, updated with an Energy Star label. Now let's just take a moment and realize what it does mean to get an Energy Star label. You have to get that each year. It's not something that you can just say, oh yeah, I got it, I'm done, and you can forget about it. No, you have to obtain that year by year. So if you look at the plaques on these commercial buildings in any major city that's aimed for them and to get them, you have to go through their program and you have to be in the top 25% of total performance. And that's along what the EPA has for their, their standards for their energy, as well as, uh, you know, just the general building performance. And that's what we're looking at for data centers as well. 
Now, because you have to get it every year, you have to push yourself to get better and better, or at least keep up with the industry to see where you align. And once you get down to that, say, I'm only as good as 75% of the industry, that's where you're at that borderline where next year you might not make it unless you do some improvements. And if Energy Star is important to you and that energy efficiency and those goals are important to you, you'll, you'll make those changes. But ultimately, you, there's a lot of buildings that come online that can go ahead and heat, hit that energy start very easily. And there's a lot of them that will just not make it no matter what improvements that you do by comparison. Because energy star is looking at a comparison of the data centers against themselves or against everybody else that's in the pool. So in that way, there's a lot of people that are looking at it like, you know what? we're not even going to try against this baseline because we know that we're not going to make it. Right now, our initial assessment, um, and I've gone through this many a time, you know, where you, your initial assessment is dismal. And you might say, oh, we're in the 30% range, ouch. And yes, we are making improvements, but even with all of those improvements, we're only going to hit, say, 56%, and we're not going to get there. That's entirely possible. It doesn't mean you shouldn't make those improvements, but it might mean that, hey, you're not going to get that, uh, that Energy Star uh, seal on that data center, and that's okay. Those improvements hopefully will, you know, will mean a lot to your bottom line. But overall, that means that the the Energy Star system starts to say, you know what, this is only for the creme de la creme. It's only for those that are going to be at the top and stay at the top to really go and achieve. And that's one of the cruxes to that. Whenever you talk to the data center managers, like, why would I bother? Why would I spend time to go through this or, you know, hire consultants to, to help do this for me or spend any time to try to get these metrics met when I know that I'm never going to achieve it? that can be part of that big conversation, that, that crux of the conversation that can be difficult to have, but it's important to understand. But why is it still a good one? Well, the good thing about the Energy Star for data centers is they contacted everybody out there, the major industry associations. They got a lot of help from a lot of the experts, um, whether it's those that have been operating the data centers, the major uh, tech companies, or you know some of those uh, PhDs, or you know those those other institutions like the Uptime Institute or the other groups like the Green Grid or Seven by Twenty Four Exchange um, and Afcom, they've gotten a lot of input for that in order to understand which metrics they want to use, and that includes the PUE metric, the Power Usage Effectiveness metric. And, uh, you know, in 2018, when, when it was released, there was a lot of people that were saying, well, PUE isn't the best, but at least we have something. And therefore, you could start to measure your IT sustainability. And that was important for a lot of people. And that was also important for that Energy Star scores as well. So in a lot of that, those ways, it really was a good metric. And, and that Energy Star score was something to chase after for a data center. Now, you have to realize that data centers, of course, are not just composed of the buildings themselves. You have to look at that broader picture of all of the equipment and, you know, the servers, the storage, the networking, everything that's going into it for the, the data centers themselves whenever you're doing a sustainability project. And in that way, if you are loading up that data center with all Energy Star products, you're likely to achieve, you know, that Energy Star for the building or the overall performance of the building a little bit more easily than others, especially if you're looking at that PUE metric. So in that way, there's a lot that can be gained by just simply following the entire Energy Star path 
um, you know, for all the products that are going within it. And that can include all of the the electrical gear as well as the air handlers, although it is a little bit of a pain to get Energy Star labels on a lot of that because it does tend to be pretty specialty items and they're not made as like major products that you can just buy off the shelf for the most part. So in a lot of ways, it does come down to getting all the performance uh, input for the entire building itself in that manner as opposed to just making sure that everything within the building is Energy Star. Therefore, you should go ahead and get Energy Star pretty easily. Not as simple as all of that. Now, if you look at it from the EPA standpoint, data centers really fell among those industrial companies. And there's reasons why, and it's mostly because of the amount of energy use, but they also fall in sort of that cleaner type of industrial companies that are out there. So if you think of an industrial company, they might have a, a certain process that they're doing, and they might be belching out things into the air that you might see or they might be using water and uh, discharging nasty things into the water with certain pollutant counts that are you know, at a minimum or maximum, depending on what that is, and the EPA is regulating all of that. However, for data centers, they're not doing that. There's not a process involved where they're creating a product. Um, they are using energy, yes, and they are rejecting heat to the atmosphere, yes, but it is not a direct impact where there's particulates that are being issued into that atmosphere um, or into the water directly that might be harmful to the people or the surroundings or the environment around it. So in that way, a lot of the EPA might be looking at it um, more or less as a cleaner type of industrial company. And because of that, they've sort of let, you know, like a lot of industrial companies, they've let the data center companies go ahead and regulate everything that they can do because oftentimes they're in the best position to go ahead and do it because they've been sitting there, they're watching their own bottom line, especially on that power usage, and they know what's going to affect their data center. They know when the equipment's going to be swapped out, and they can watch and figure out how that means, what that, what's going to affect their total spend on their water and their energy, and because it is significant for data centers by comparison with most commercial facilities, they have a better uh, capability of dealing with that and looking at that because they've got the the engineers they've got the operational staff to go ahead and watch that and figure out why do we have a spike here why is this suddenly we've gone up over 10 percent over the last month did we open a new room did we change a lot what was going on with that and they can go ahead and figure that out for themselves on top of that, a lot of data center companies have their own environmental or health and safety groups, and they can have somebody or they can have um, consultants help them out with those types of things if they've got something that might be um, quasi-environmental related, but they've definitely got something along the safety aspect as far as doing new swap outs and um, you know anything to do with construction, of course, with uh, swapping out for equipment, major pieces of equipment, or doing additions and changes. And on top of that, the CFOs probably have like a main cost center that they're looking at saying, well, this particular data center has a certain amount of funds that we have that are going in and out. What's the cost for the operations for that? That they can go ahead and start to apply their sustainability practices to and understand how that's going to help their total cost for that facility as well as their entire fleet of facilities. And that all goes into just that broader understanding to say back to the EPA, if all of these companies, these data center companies are doing that in that same way, all these big tech companies, all of these, you know, co-location companies, uh, you know, and even the, the financial firms, they're doing all of this themselves. 
Why do we need to get so involved? Let them go ahead and chase after the Energy Star program and label themselves. We don't necessarily need to be as involved. We've got other things to go ahead and chase and pay attention to, such as those other uh, big uh, industrial companies that you know do, do have a lot more pollutants than data centers by far. Data Center Efficiency Evolution Program, known as DEEP, was launched at Data Center World 2022, so not that long ago, like a month. And that that was put together by a lot of industry informants as well, a lot of the different groups. Um, and this is, again, straight up for data centers, but it's not just looking for the power use and trying to track that. And that's what we've been talking about a lot is what's that facility doing on the power and the water, for example? How is it performing that way on the facility side? This is much broader, but it's also looking at the sustainability efforts all, all along the, the way. And it includes the e-waste. And that e-waste, what we're talking about is those servers that are being swapped in and out. So say three to five to 10 years, you're replacing all the servers in your facility with new servers. That's huge. And that's a huge e-waste thing to be tracked. And with this new deep um, being launched, of course, there was a lot of pilot programs that were part of that. And with that, there's a lot of things that can be tracked in order to score these data centers. And it includes all sorts of different things and includes all the different processes and everything that go with it. But it also is looking at other details. And that can be just even simply looking at like the, the airflow management. Are you doing the hot aisle, cold aisle? Are you doing the containment? How is that being done? What's your that, that air performance? And those kinds of things. But it's also looking at the uh, cutting edge as well. So it's looking to include everything there. Um, and we're going to be diving more and more into that just to see how it applies to these uh, newer facilities as well as some of the facilities that have been out there for a while and what it means to go ahead and have that efficiency evolution according to this new program. And that might sound like additional work, and I would equate it to LEED. And if you know the Leadership in Energy and Environmental Performance um, and that certification, so LEED has their own stats, and they're very, um, you know, they, they can be regionalized, et cetera, and it keeps improving. And 4.1, um, I'd encourage you to go and uh, get up to date on that. But this is very similar to that in a lot of ways. Um, and one of the things that I like about it, though, is it is looking at things in a broader view. It's got sustainability specifically for data centers, but one of the main things that they like to do is it balances sustainability against risk. They even say that on their website. Um, and their website, by the way, is datacenterevolve.com. So if you look for, for DEEP or Data Center Efficiency Evaluation Program or datacenterevolve.com, you'll see their website. And that's one of the things that's right there. And it says, you know, the sustainability cannot be viewed in a vacuum. Totally agree, um, but we got to do the best we can. But the business needs and risk tolerance must be considered. Okay, great. 
but not where it supersedes, right? We're just trying to push the envelope wherever we possibly can. Now, the other thing that they'll say is, okay, it's really simple. It's really easy to go through, um, you know, and, and do this. But, you know, once you start walking through the program and understanding what it means to go ahead and get their certification, it is kind of, uh, it's not onerous, but it is something that's going to take a little bit of time. And it's going to, you know, you might want to devote a team to this to go ahead and figure out some of these things. And because it is brand new, there's things that will need to be worked out. Um, already, there's some some questions that, uh, you know, start to crop up that, okay, you know, you jot down like, well, what does this mean? Or what does that mean? Or, you know, the definitions are there for the most part, but there's certain ambiguities that you just want to be worked out whenever you're trying to do some of these calculations. And I, again, that just brings up lead over and over again on how that behaves as well. And overall, it's a good program and it looks to be very beneficial for data center certification. All right, what does that certification mean? And they've got three levels. They've got the bronze, the silver, and the gold. And what does that even mean whenever you're doing that? What are you getting out of it? Well, you know, you might get that recognition and they've got a plaque that goes along with that. And you've got, you know, your, you know, that you can say that you've got this data center that is whatever it is, silver or bronze. Um, and it's not nice to come in third place. Nobody likes to have that bronze necessarily. They want to have the gold. Um, so it might get competitive as far as that goes. But you also get a nice report that goes along with that. And if you look at how their process works and everything, they do have an assessor that comes in and spends a lot of time on site with the data center. And they walk through everything in order to understand exactly what they're aiming to get. And then they go day by day until they get all the information that they need for each one of the criteria that they're looking for. And then they take that back and they do that analysis. They they do, you know, they basically describe that any of the analysis or any gaps that they're seeing in their evaluation. And then they go ahead and say, okay, preliminarily we have a draft that says, hey, we are looking at a silver building or bronze or whatever that might be out of this written report. And then that report can also stipulate what are the things that would take to also improve. So you can find those detailed findings uh, or all those details and findings of certain things that would be ripe for improvement. And to those, those might not be things that are obvious to a regular data center, say, uh, operator. Um, but if you did hire like a typical uh, team, they're probably uh, along the same lines of things that you might see for evaluations and improvements that go along with that. And with that final report, you are ex basically accepting as a data center company that you're going to get a certain award uh, certification level, uh, given that you're, e you know, meeting those, those basics that you're, that you need to meet for that bronze, that silver, or that gold. Now, a rundown of all of the different things that they're looking at, and they have over 70 best practices that they're they're looking to just confirm. And I would look at this as like, hey, if you're doing a detailed audit with a, a consulting engineer that focuses on data centers, you're probably going to get something similar. But out of this, you're getting a certified program and you get a plaque at the end too, right? But they are looking at the, the some of the same things that you might be looking at and implementing already, such as a DSIM program, data center information management. And that helps you out with how your controls are doing and what you're doing throughout your data center 
and how you're just managing the overall systems and integrating them together. But they're also looking at like uh, recycling programs and they do use PUE monitoring. So in that regard, oh, you know, you might have a little bit of hang up like I do about that, but they might say, well, to what degree are you doing that? And are you monitoring that in, in the best way possible, not trying to game the system um, more or less? But on top of that, you're also talking about, uh, you know, on the electrical systems, you'd be looking at smart PDUs in the racks um, that can also feed into what your energy use is, etc. High efficiency UPS systems. Do you have the latest and greatest? Do you have some of the latest software or latest things where maybe you're using a smart bypass or sustainable bypass on your, your centralized UPS system or whatever that might be called? Um, and also, do you have Energy Star IT equipment? Huh, Energy Star comes back again. So all that's well and good on the electrical systems um, and more. Um, you know, just on the mechanical systems, are you using variable speed for, you know, your pumps, your fans, those kinds of things? Are you doing a lot of free air cooling um, or, you know, indirect free air cooling or wh whatever that might be in order to be sustainable or, or well performing on that? But they're also looking for, are you using like a machine learning or an AI to help you out with optimizing when those free cooling areas might be? or just how to optimize your overall systems for that air management. And that can be from that airflow across like a given room to make sure that you're not starving any rows, um, you know, to protect yourself, again, eliminating that risk. Also back to, you know, what is that energy use or what's that temperature that you can raise up to and using that machine learning or that AI to understand how those temperature changes are and linking that with your DSIM again to say, okay, we're noticing a spike in user performance, you know, and it's, uh, you know, 3 p.m. And we realize that this is going to be, uh, you know, pretty hefty on our mechanical systems. We need to go ahead and change over to like our indirect cooling system um, where we start to do that uh, evaporative uh, cooling, whether direct or indirect, whatever that might be. But they're looking at that to be all coupled together and working together so that you, you have that uh, working well um, for that, that data center. And of course, they'd be looking at like the, the rack temperatures um, and they might be looking at just the containment as mentioned, but there's a number of different things that they're looking at uh, across the data center to make sure that you're complying with this in order to at least get the minimum, but also what are those best practices to go ahead and go leaps and bounds above, uh, above the others. And really quickly, the way the point system works is there's 225 points. So if you want to equate it to lead, it's it's very similar to that. But they're very data center focused. So it's not it's it's like a lead point system. However, the points that you're getting are very data center focused. It's not like lead at all, whenever you you get into the nitty-gritty of it. But out of those 225 points, you have to get 70% of them in order to get bronze, in order to get anything. So you have to realize, okay, going in, you might not get that bronze level. And that, that means that you have to get 158 points in order to get that bronze. You have to get 80%, uh, which is 180 points out of 225 in order to get silver. And you have to get 203 or 90% in order to get gold. So in that way, you're, you're looking to make sure that you have those best practices already involved. And then you can look at some of those bigger ticket items say your UPS might be older and you might not have a high efficiency UPS or you might have some equipment that's a little bit older or you might have certain equipment that's just not you know the uh, the energy star certified in your data center and therefore you might be foregoing some of those 
points. So yeah, that's that's where you might say, okay, well, we may or may not get this, but at least we've gone through it and understand where we stand um, on this whole scale. And it's a very simplified scale as far as that goes. At Data Center World, it was touted that there are four facilities that are already certified with the DEEP program. So we're looking to see if there's going to be a broader acceptance. On their website right now, um, it does not advertise what facilities those are or which ones those are going to be. And it might be like LEED where there's a lot of people doing it, but they're not advertising or they're not putting in their, their buildings or their names. Um, in the lead program because they might only achieve say a, a, you know a lead silver or a, you know gold whenever you know some of those others that are out there that are competing or in the same industry um, are achieving say a gold or platinum with every single facility so in that way we might see those sort of hidden behind things but overall I mean this is a broader accepted if we can get broad acceptance from the data center industry as opposed to a lead for data centers this is probably going to be a better program that can help out all of those existing facilities and not just the new ones and once people start to realize that doing this is not just it's not a, a nice to have the green items or the green efficiency uh, programs to just say that we're doing it it affects the bottom line directly and not doing it means that you just haven't done it you just have not done the changes that are practical um, that are you know economic and business um, minded so that you are you know you're trying to improve your overall facility and your data center business this means that you should be paying attention to this and aiming to get these certifications where you can and whenever possible Alright, let's take a, a look at something with augmented reality where you have a lot of data centers. Let's talk tech a little bit. And one of those is a new tech helmet. Um, basically, if we have a hard hat and we add these halo-like lenses on it, there's a few companies that are coming out with this, uh, with this type of augmented reality that's going to help construction. Um, and there's one, this XYZ Realty, that says that they're basically looking at a headset that can depict the building itself onto the spaces that it's in and what that helps out with especially in the data center industry or any construction industry is just as it's being built you can go ahead and look to see how is it being constructed according to how it should be constructed and if you go ahead and have that navisworks or that that bim or whatever platform that you have and you already have that loaded you can already see oh, you know what, I thought this beam was supposed to be over here by a meter or, uh, you know, like a, a yard or three feet or whatever. And you can start to see that. And that can be proactively looking to correct errors in the field as they're done. And a lot of this is right now sort of reactive where things get built and you might have something where a pad or a slab goes in the wrong location and, uh, you know, it's not big enough or it's too big or, you know, even things like the rebar being in the long, wrong location and, it, it, you know, it causes cracking that shouldn't be there and you need to reinforce it. All those different things can be viewed by the engineers or by the technicians out in the field as it's being done as far as that construction team. And if you could start to view that, instead of finding out the pad is in the wrong location after it's already been sitting there for a month and waiting for the next steps, 
and then finding out, oh, this is in the wrong location. We're going to have to repour the pad or do what you know, do some changes or some design changes in order to affect that. It's adding uh, more weeks onto that process in order to figure that out and then go ahead and rectify the situation before proceeding. If you can see that just by reviewing what you have in this, like the, the augmented reality, you can start to see where things should be and how to correct them. Not in a real time, of course, but uh, very much in a approved kind of time flow fashion. And if you can have a lot of people as like the architects walking the site saying, oh, this wall is off by you know a half a foot, what does that mean? What, you know, what does that cramp? Is there something else that's going to be, uh, you know, that that's going to matter? And for data centers and the data center halls, that can mean a lot. That can be significant where suddenly because of that, that half a foot, you can't fit in the cable tray at the end of, say, the, the data hall. And, or that needs to slide over and suddenly it's against, uh, you know, some ducts and therefore it's against, uh, you know, some conduits. And what does that mean? And suddenly it has that trickle effect that affects a lot of other disciplines and to be able to understand that in that construction real time or near real time or being able to just inspect that even retro you know reactively can be great to understand and see those differences and save time and money for a data center project There's also other news with data center developers and co-location providers. Among them, Evoke is looking to have their green data centers as build suit, and they're coupling that with renewable energy and renewable power that's going to be on site. And that's kind of uh, unusual for a lot of data centers, but they are looking to do that as sort of a one-stop shop to say, you want your green data center? come and, and talk to us, we'll figure that out. And Evoke has been moving steadily in that direction for a few years, but this looks like it's it's new sort of offering uh, overall. Along with that, um, Iron Mountain, of course, had acquired IT Renew, and that helps out with all of that e-waste again. And that's a big sustainability strategy that they're looking to leverage. So we're looking at that overall as how they're boosting that and bringing that into new markets. So that the IT Renew team had won a bunch of awards at uh, certain groups. And they've done very well with their, their teams and and uh, been very well recognized. So Iron Mountain is going to be launching that probably in a lot of other markets, including globally. So we're going to see more and more of that across some of the places that they have not uh, been or they the IT Renew has not been yet to date. Um, Sabi is another one that's looking to launch their um, new campus in Austin, and they're launching there as well as a few other places. But along with that, Meta, Facebook, they're launching in several different markets, even though that they've recently just had a pullback on their hiring practices that we just noticed, they're actually still progressing very quickly on their data centers. So if you're looking for a job, they're probably doing pretty well on hiring for their data centers, data center services, design, uh, management, etc. Um, even though the rest of the company might be sort of uh, retracting a little bit from that mid-range to high-range hiring right now. Another is the NASDAQ is expanding in New Jersey at their existing facilities. Um, they had taken over a number of facilities from Verizon several years back when Verizon was selling uh, all of their data center, major data center facilities off and going back to their core business. 
And because of that, NASDAQ um, stayed there with Equinix because Equinix picked them up. And um, they are looking to expand that, even though they almost left the entire campus uh, a couple years back because the taxes were going to be implied on New Jersey and New York. We're even looking at saying, hey, we're going to charge per financial transaction. Now, if you think about how many transactions the New York Stock Exchange, the NASDAQ has, that would be certainly a lot of transactions, a lot of money that would be looking at, even though the, the money they would be charging would be small. Um, a quarter of a cent, in other words, 0.25 pennies um, per transaction. But the number of transactions, of course, would make that into a large number. And of course, that becomes a big penalty that nobody wants to pay. So they were looking at it even saying, well, you know what, you're going to do this to us, we're going to move straight to Northern Virginia. So instead of doing that, uh, they did not have to and they everything kept as well and good. And now they're even expanding there. Another item to track is how concrete is being used in the data centers. There's one by Meta that's in DeKalb, and that's in Illinois, and they're having this major data center go with a different type of concrete mix. And if you look at concrete overall, you realize it's not the stone, it's not the sand, it's actually the cement that is the big CO2 emitter. And as a matter of fact, out of everything that goes into it, into making a concrete for the like any sort of structure, and especially for the, these massive data center spaces, 80% of those CO2 levels that are emitted, the, the emissions from the concrete itself actually comes from the cement manufacturing and creation. So if there's a way that we can lessen that and go ahead and use different substances for that and reduce that carbon footprint by reducing the amount of cement and replacing it with other things like the, the fly ash or um, slag or glass or whatever that might be, um, it's going to lower the carbon that is emitted and therefore make it a, a greener substance to use. We'll be paying more attention to how that's impacting. And it's not just the metadata centers, a lot of data centers and users across the, the entire construction industry are starting to see more and more of this. And it's becoming uh, more of a request that the contractors are used to seeing and going ahead and complying with. So it's no big deal to go ahead and do that these days. And the last item that we'll get to is how is that infrastructure Mason's Climate Accord going? Well, it's doing pretty well. They have 138 companies now up from the original 70 plus that they were uh, talking to. So they're making quick action and everyone on the team is uh, reaching out to everybody else. And once you essentially have those major hyperscalers involved, suddenly you're going to have a lot of those co-location companies involved. And that of course trickles down to all those manufacturers and the products. And of course, everyone that's going to be involved with helping out on the services side for those developers and everyone there is looking to see how they can join and how they can help add in that you're going to have other groups that are tangential to that that are starting to be brought in as well. And suddenly the number of companies is going to just steamroll from here. The number of companies involved in the overall data center industry is in the thousands. Um, but for this particular accord, we might not see a thousand for maybe a year or so just because of who's involved and what it takes to get there. Now, there's different groups that are, of course, directly involved with the different people. So we might see them join sooner rather than later. But there's others that might just be kind of lagging behind and say, you know what? It's not for us. We don't need to worry about this. And what I am talking about there is some of the other technology companies uh, that data centers aren't their prime focus, but that probably should get involved to some degree because they do have facilities that they are managing and probably should look to uh, manage a little bit better or at least 
uh, grow from the knowledge that can be gained from the Climate Accord. Okay, this is Season 3, Episode 3 of the Green Data Center Podcast. Do appreciate your listen. Go ahead and subscribe. Um, need to keep reminding people about that, as well as send us a message via the greendatacenterman.com website. And because this industry is growing so much, we're looking to add more talent. So please see on the greendatacenterman.com website the courses with discounts for Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y.com. Especially if you're looking to get started, that's an excellent place to get started. And go ahead and ask questions and get involved. And feel free to reach out via the website to ask any questions that you might have, whether it's about the industry, um, whether there's certain groups that are moving, or anything about data centers or sustainability. Until next time, we'll be tracking the data centers and how they're meeting their sustainability goals.